Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You can be really good at Tony Hawk, the skateboard video game, but if you can't skate, nobody's going to know. You can dress the part. You can look the part. The video game stuff is it's fun, but give me the real thing. And it's the same with what we when, when we proclaim and what we proclaim and, and what we say. People like the real thing. They don't want posers. They don't want fakers. They don't want somebody who, who looks like this, but then behind closed doors or over here in this, you know, away from the body, they're just a totally different person. You might be able to fool some people for a little while, but before long, people are going to start seeing through the act if you're not really genuine. From a young age, most of us develop a sense for when somebody's lying or pretending to be something that they're not. The world around you is going to see right through you if you're talking about being a follower of Jesus, but your heart's not really in it. In today's message, Pastor James challenges us to be authentic and honest with others about our victories and our struggles in the faith. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Titus chapter 2 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. This book, and specifically this chapter we're going to go through today, chapter 2, which is a nice, another short one, it's just a classic one. It, it speaks to the individual, but it also speaks to the, to the corporate, uh, in the sense of like to the church as a whole. So if you want to know how to have a healthy church, or to be a part of a healthy church, or identify what is a healthy church, what's not a healthy church, how to be a healthy member of a church, this chapter kind of lays it all out there for us. So chapter 2 is... Um, it's just a, it's a really cool breakdown of like responsibilities for older men, older women, younger men, younger women, workers, and then uh, then for Titus specifically as the leader. But verse one it says, "As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Wholesome meaning like complete, healthy teaching. So for Titus himself as the pastor and." Uh, just so we understand this church there in this region and the other churches were led by a pastor. And so whoever's leading that church needs to promote the kind of living that reflects the teaching. So our lives beyond the pulpits matter. They matter. They probably matter more, sometimes more than what we say, because you could say all the right stuff. But if you live a life that's contrary to what you say, and nobody's going to nobody's going to believe you, nobody's going to follow you. We call that, growing up in the skater world, that would be a poser, right? You're like, you're a fraud. You're a phony, okay? You can be really good at Tony Hawk, the skateboard video game, but if you can't skate, nobody's going to know. You can dress the part. You can look the part. The video game stuff, is, it's fun, but give me the real thing. And it's the same with what we, when, when we proclaim and what we proclaim and, and what we say. People like the real thing. They don't want posers. They don't want fakers. They don't want... Somebody who, who looks like this, but then behind closed doors or over here in this, you know, away from the body, they're just a totally different person. You can't be like that. And so for Titus, as the leader, he for sure can't, can't be like that. But verse 2, he, here's his instructions, you know, in, in just living, a, uh, the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Verse 2, it says, teach the older men to exercise self-control. 
to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. They, the older men, must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Okay, so his first like instruction is to the older men of the church. And you can't really put a number on this, okay? Because uh, wherever you're at, you're, you're going to be older than somebody in your church, okay? So you're an older man, right? That's, that's the key there. Now, I know in Jewish culture, you know, there's a, there's a significance to the age of 30, uh, but you can't limit it specifically to that. Be like, well, I'm 29, so technically I don't need to teach anybody. Well, no, that's nonsense, okay? That would be the wrong way to approach this, this uh, scripture. What he's saying there is if, if you're older than somebody in your congregation, it is your obligation to live like this. If you're a Christ follower and there is somebody who is younger than you in your sphere of influence, which if you're a dad, you have that. So you're the older guy. We're the older men. So, but what we're supposed to do, the older men are to, you know, to be taught. And here's, so here's another really good principle. Older men must be teachable. All men who are Christ followers in the church must be teachable. Because if you're not teachable, you have a hard heart. And it's, you're probably, it's probably like a, an act of like re- spiritual rebellion. You have to be teachable. We have to be teachable. Because number one, we don't know everything. We don't. I don't care what your life experience is. I don't care. I don't care. It, none of it matters. You have to be teachable, period. I have to be teachable. I have, I have older men who speak into my life all the time. I just talked to one yesterday. I reach out to him. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? I just text him. And he's like, he called me right away. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to lay this out for you. And so... And he, and he walks me through it, and he does that with the expectation that I have a soft, teachable heart, that I'm going to receive what he says and be wise with it and, and filter it out. Like, okay, yes, that, that absolutely makes sense. I thank you so much for that instruction, for that wisdom. I'm going to take it, and now I'm going to apply it. Um, I welcome that in my life. Uh, if, if I've learned anything in 20-plus years of walking with Jesus, it's that I, just, I don't know that much at all. And the closer I get to the Lord, the, the more I realize, like, the less I know. And so, I'm, yeah, surround me with older guys. And I've always, I've always had that, that mindset. Um, some of my closest friends, quote unquote, within the church have been guys in their 80s. I'm like, please, pour into me. Like, I, you, got, you got life experience. You have wisdom. You can teach me uh, some of the greatest lessons that I need to learn, and especially when I became a father, I was actively pursuing those guys. Actively pursuing those guys. Tell me what I need to know. Because number one, I've never been a dad before. I don't care how many books you read, there's no prep preparing for it. Right? Other than godly men who've gone before you who can say, let me tell you the deal. And so, uh, it's, it's something that I try to do. Um, but this is, this is Titus's job is he needs to teach the older men. So that's the key there is older men need to be teachable. We've had, we've had a plethora of guys come in and out of this place, and some have been older men, and they're just not teachable. And they're not here anymore. Not because we kick them out, but because they, they won't stay. We have to have this humility of this, you know, just knowing, like, I don't know everything, um, and so I should be seeking out wisdom from anybody, uh, specifically anybody who is connected to Jesus.
Okay? Teach the older men they got to exercise. Older men need to exercise self-control. You, you have to exercise self-control. And self-control is uh, Galatians chapter 5. It's listed as one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So you have to be able to like live soberly. Like You have to control yourself. You just have to. Which means you got to know how to like, you got to know how, when to say no. And that you can say no. That's the part of self-control is that the urges that my flesh have, as strong as they may be, they don't, they don't rule me. I can say no. You can say no. Any temptation that comes your way, spoiler alert, temptation is going to come your way. It is. And sometimes it's going to feel stronger than at other times. And that's why you got to be aware of your weak points and all that good stuff. And you have to exercise, as an older man, you have to exercise self-control. you got to know that, number one, you can say no to any fleshly desire that you have. Like, you can win over those, those temptations and those desires. But exercise is the, is the key, is the key r- r- word there, which means it, it's, it's kind of this idea of tension. The temptation's going to come. There's going to be some weight that comes along with that. But the more you resist that temptation, the stronger you get. It's a very practical lesson that we can learn. Just go to any gym, put some weights on a bar, and then you have tension and you have resistance. But the more you do reps, the stronger you get. It's just, that's just how it works. So it's the same with, with life and with temptation. The more you resist, the stronger you get. That's it. Okay, but older men have to be, they got to be taught, like, you have to, be, you have to exercise self-control. So if you're weak in self-control, then you need to, you've got to, you just got to buckle down and like, number one, I mean, these are all, you know, practical things, but you surround yourself with guys who can, who can spot you, so to speak. I'm using a lot of gym references here, but uh, you got to have somebody who can spot you, who can help you, assist you within that, but that can also encourage you. Like, no, I think you got one more rep. I think you can do one more rep. I think you can, let's add some more weight. I think you can do one more rep. So number one, you have the Holy Spirit who's inside of you, who is doing that as well, giving you the strength that you need to endure and to say no. But you also surround yourself with guys who are, who are there, your, your gym bros who are just like yelling and screaming and cheering you on of like, no, you can do this. And then when you, one day you, you know, you can't, and then the weight comes crashing down on your chest, they're there to help pick that thing up off of you. Okay. And to encourage you to, well, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. But that has to be, these older men, they have to, they have to live this. They, have to, they need to be taught this. They also be, have to be taught to be worthy of respect. Respect does not come automatically. Okay? That you, nobody, nobody owes you any respect. Nobody owes you any respect. There's this notion of like, you know, you respect me, I respect you. That's not how it works. You have to be worthy of respect. You have to be worthy of it. So you can't, be, you can't be offended if somebody disrespects you. Because maybe you haven't proven your, that you're worthy of it. Right? So you have to be, and this is, older men need to be taught to be worthy of respect, which means you live your life in such a way that people recognize that, and then they respect you by how they see you living your life. It's earned. Respect is earned. And to live wisely. All right, that's just engaging your mind and, and considering this life and making wise decisions and, and, and all things that come with that. But here's Titus. He's a young man, and it's his job to teach older men these things. And if you know anything about older men, I mean, you can just imagine some kid, 20 years old, comes in here, 18 years old, let's use that. 
comes in here, maybe God appoints him as the pastor. And he's got all these older guys in there, but now you have to listen to him. You, you know the friction that that causes, right? Like, who, like, who do you think you are? Look, twice your age, right? Like, you can't teach me. But they can. But they can. So if it's a God-appointed person, I have a friend, he just took over a church. This kid's only 19 years old. I think he might have just turned 20. And I'm like, oh, dude. <laughs> oh, buddy. Because the guy who was before him, this is tall, redneck, beefy dude who, like, you don't mess with this dude. And now you got this young kid. You know, this, this guy is, I mean, it's going total night and day. Big, beefy, you know, hunting raccoons and all this good stuff to like, this kid's like tall, skinny, and you're, and so soft spoken. And you're just like, well, bro, you're going to be in for a challenge. But that's the guy that God had selected to, to be the pastor of that church. So regardless of anything, the older men in that church need to recognize that and come alongside him, right? And yeah, do they have more wisdom and, and life experience and they can teach him something? Absolutely. And we'll see that in a second. But being called by God, it's, it's his responsibility to instruct these guys of like, hey, this is how it goes. And that takes humility. Uh, to be a part of a church, to be a healthy church displays humility from, from everybody who shows up. You know, uh, you have to have humility. If you're going to be an older man, I think you have to have humility. Just under, knowing that, like, there are individuals who are looking up to, there, there are individuals who are looking up to us, and they're watching us, you know, within our lives. So we, we got to be smart, live self-controlled lives, worthy of respect. Then he says they must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Number one, all these, none of these things come automatically, and they are not, they don't seem to be natural. This is like, has to be a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But you must have sound faith, secure faith. You need to be filled with love and patience, and this word patience here means like steadfastness, or to actively endure is what that means. You just keep on going. You have to keep on going. But this is happening. Keep on going. But they're saying this. Keep on going. This like just a reminder, guys. Like we're we're in a. This is war. This is war. I don't know what you think this is. Christianity is not a cruise boat. Okay, it's not a cruise ship, right? We're not all you know hanging out on the Lido deck and getting as much food as we want and doing all. That. No, this is battleship stuff, and the bullets are flying. So we need. Older men who know how to take a good assessment of where they're at and look around them to understand there are people who are looking up to me that God wants to use me to, to speak into their lives. And that's just it. You got, I, I, you know, we see this in our country right now. There's, there are less and less young men signing up for military. Okay? I think I understand the dynamics of that a little bit because our government has lost their minds. And it's like, why? Why would I want to sign up for this, right? Like, this is chaos. If, if that trend continues, then what you have is you have a nation that can't defend themselves, is, is what that equates to. And so within the church as well, if you have older men that, have like, that are not doing these things and they're not investing into the younger generation and, and communicating the, the beauty of the kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, and you have less and less recruits, it just gets sadder and sadder and sadder. 
So you need to, a healthy church has, has older men who are living godly lives. That's, that's it. The, and, and, and the church needs older men. Needs older men. I don't, I don't understand these churches or these desires for some people of like, well, we just want a church that's just all young people. I'm like, I don't want that church. Are you kidding me? That's a nightmare. Like, dude, you know, younger people and all the drama they have? Like, no, I don't want a church of all old dudes either, right? It's all that collective wisdom. That's awesome, but they're cranky too. Like, they got their own set of drama. Like, I want some of that and some of that together, okay? A healthy church is, you got older, you have to have older men though. You have to have the older men who know how to like live their lives in a, in a way that represents the Lord. Here's the other part of it. Uh, similarly, so, or connected to that, verse three, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. Here is Titus's responsibility to teach the older women. Now, this doesn't mean that he needs to be running the women's ministry, Okay, or doing ladies Bible studies. That's not at all what this is talking about. And again, that's as wonderful as ladies are. I do not want to teach a women's Bible study. Okay, like now pass. Um, I have my wife who does that and she does a really good job at that. But it is in the corporate setting. It is the pastor's responsibility to remind older women that you have to behave this way, too. And the church needs older women. They, They have to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. This, uh, this word slander is very interesting. It's called diablos is in the Greek. Diablos, devil. So all the gossip, all the talking about people behind their backs cannot be a part of the, these women's lives. Cannot. That's the devil's work is what, what Paul is telling Titus. He's like, that's slander. That's, that's the word we associate with the devil. He's good at slandering. The devil's really good about talking about you behind your back. The problem is he's doing that to Jesus, who's your advocate, who's like, I don't, I don't, I'm not listening to what you have to say. They're covered. Yeah, that may be true of them. It's covered by my blood. It's covered by my blood. That's been paid for. That, that sin's been paid for. But that is the active role of Satan He's the slanderer. And so Paul is saying like, hey, you older ladies, when you're not at church, quote unquote, and you're doing your little ladies groups and get togethers, you know, be careful what you're talking about. Because if you're talking about these people behind their backs, that's the devil's work. You wonder why churches split? It's because we don't, we don't, we don't look, we don't look like this. We don't live like this sometimes. Nobody's there to squash this stuff. And Titus is being taught by Paul. He's saying, teach them. They can squash that. Like, don't make any place for that. There's no slandering. There's none of that stuff. I like how it's connected to heavy drinking. Because when alcohol is included, oh, the slandering happens, right? Like, any, any, you know, inhibit or, or, you know, filters or, or anything like that, I mean, they're gone. Gone. And then oftentimes it's like the truth just starts spewing out, kind of the real feelings kind of start coming out. The problem with that is then other people get destroyed in that, who may not even be present within the conversation. They can be heavy drinkers. So they are given too much wine is what it says. Now, again, we don't make rules where there are no rules. So anytime alcohol is mentioned in the Bible, I'll make this as a statement. If you drink alcohol, that's fine. If you get drunk, that's sin, and you repent of that. 
if the equation looks like this for you, every time I start drinking, I get drunk, stop drinking. Stop. Cut it out. Well, I can't. Oh, remember that self-control thing? Remember that? That he tagged the older dudes with at the beginning? Exercise it. Exercise it. If you can't control it, then don't do it. If you can't control it, then don't do it. If it controls you, that's sin, and you have to lay it aside. And for these ladies, and in this region, and specifically geographically where, you know, where Titus is pastoring, the older women had a problem with excessive drinking. And so when they're getting together and all their wine tasting, you know, Bible studies, or whatever that is, really happens, by the way, then they're, then they're getting slurred and, and it's just, and then the truth starts coming out and then, and then they are, they are slaughtering sheep that are a part of the body, slaughtering them. And they're not even present to defend themselves. So he's saying they, they, can't, they can't be slanderers and they cannot be heavy drinkers. They can't be given to much wine. Instead, instead. However, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. That's like something that needs to be taught. So we need older dudes and we need older ladies. Why? Because our young men need the older guys and our young ladies need older women that can teach them, number one, how to love their husbands. Wait, that, that, that just comes naturally. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Like, no, you, you want to be, and, and the same applies to us. If you want to love your wife like you should be, that's a supernatural thing. Ephesians chapter 5 talks all about this. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be the godly husband your wife needs you to be. And you need older men to tell you that and slap you behind on you know, the back of your head and be like, what, are you, what the heck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Don't do that. Don't say that to her. Whatever. Don't say that to your kids. You know, we, we need to be instructed in these things. And the older lady's role is to pour into the younger ladies to teach them how to, how to love their husbands and how to love their children. Verse five, to live wisely and to be pure, to work in their homes or be good homemakers. This doesn't mean that they have to be like, like, like ladies can't get jobs. Oh, this, the Bible is so just, you know, misogynistic and, you know, hates women and all. That's stupid. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, everywhere the gospel has been proclaimed, women are set free. Like, give me, give me a break, right? This is saying, if you're these ladies and you live within your home, like, you should run your home. Like, manage your house. Like, that's, that's how it should be. Like, it, we have that. Nellie and I have that relationship. We have a, it's, it's good. She runs the home kind of a deal and I step in and I show up and I just try not to mess things up because I'm really good at that. Yeah. But I chip in, I pitch in, I do dishes, I, I'll clean this, I'll clean that, whatever. She's better financially at keeping up with the bills, so she pays all the bills. Like, this is just, this is wisdom that we came to. Like, I come from a, you know, I have a group of guys who are like, I only do the wills. My wife doesn't even know what's going on financially. I'm like, I don't know what's going on financially. Like, I'm like, that's why she's paying the bills because we wouldn't have electricity on because I'd be like, oh, oh, I forgot to pay that. So you got, you got to be smart, but that also takes humility to know like, I don't care what any guy thinks about that. I'm just being smart. She's really good and talented at these things. You've 
been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you. Titus is a short book of the Bible, but it really packs a punch. Something that's pinpointed in this book is the fact that Jesus came to earth as a human. So even though he's a part of the Trinity of God, he also was God incarnate. If this type of doctrine was under question, it's no wonder why Paul wrote to Titus to confirm and reassure that this important belief shouldn't be thrown out. It's a vital thing to remember nowadays as well. Nothing in the Bible should be disregarded or thrown out. It's all important. If you value these teachings and are interested in hearing them in person, then come join us on a Sunday morning. At Calvary Galveston, our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just seek to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We would also love your prayer support for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share more thoughts with you in the coming study. Until then, stay rooted in the Word and be ready to hear more solid teachings right here on Bread for the Broken.